Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Welcome, Young Adventurers. Dylan here. On this podcast, I interview the female founder, Frances Sang. She is the Captain Awkward, a part of Awkward Essentials. She invented what's known as the drip stick. This is a post cleanup device that overnight became a big hit while she was sleeping over in the UK. We have an amazing conversation. What is it like to bring about and come up with a product that has a lot of possible fear, shame, and guilt around it? How does she armor up against all the negativity that you find online with coming out with such a divisive product? How does she get strength from her father, her husband, and the people in her life? What does it take to be a female founder in this era where it's sometimes a challenge to carry on? How do you find those support networks? We have an amazing and wide-ranging conversation on this and many other topics like how she threw such an incredible wedding that really allowed for her to embrace the different personas she has as a female. And so without any further ado, I'd like to introduce Francis. Hey, Francis, how are you doing today? Hey, Dylan. Hey, it's good to see you. Yeah, you too. I know. I know. I know. It's been a minute since the whole COVID, we can't work at the same co-working space thing going down. I know. I'm at a different co-working space. Don't tell them. Oh, oh. can't believe it. Where are you at these days? Uh, We're at Biz House in Costa Mesa. It's like really close to the old spot. (laughs) You know you don't want to like accidentally run into them at like a Starbucks and have that like awkward walk away kind of thing going down. Who's the, who's the sales guy at um, Brett? Yeah. He mm. has emailed me a few times. Oh, really? Oh man. I know it was, it was crazy because it was popping when we were in there before COVID hit. There's hopeless was like almost at like full capacity and then just wiped through that place. And now they're um, struggling to, to fill it up, you know, I know. It's expensive. It's super expensive. And I tried talking about deals and things and they're just like, no, we have the best deals anywhere and we can't no. make any deals. And I was just like, okay. I was like, all right. And the thing is also, you know, co-working spaces went from like, we have to do it. Cause also when we had to do it to where we were forced to go remote and then we're so productive remote that it's just not, it just doesn't, it's not necessary, right? Yeah, Tanya was telling me that you guys are totally fine remote. So like, why? And it's so funny because like before, like I was like, you know, I was like, okay, everyone, we've got to shove everybody into the space. We all have to work from here. The only way, the story I was telling myself, the only way we can be productive is if we're all together, all working, because I have to like Uh watch everybody. And I just, it's not true. We, we have, you know, online communications rocking, our task delegation is solid. Um, we have whole systems and things in place. So we did a whole bunch of like upgrading to where now we completely uh, function remote and autonomous and we're more productive now than we've ever been. So, you know, I'm actually, I'm in New Orleans at the moment. That's where I'm currently at. So What? Yeah. Like yeah, we're, permanently? No, no, not permanently. Um, well, we're out here for about a month or so. Um, and then we're going to travel around for a little bit. Uh, we came out here because uh, we're doing this uh, virtual reality, social emotional learning thing for a nonprofit. And so uh, we're doing this really cool, really cool stuff. Um, we're working this nonprofit. It's funny. We came in just as like a test phase as part of this, um, uh, this, this nonprofit thing. And, and now they're asking us to rewrite their entire life skills curriculum for them. And so that's so cool. Really neat stuff. It's really cool. And it's really, it's really neat and meaningful work in the sense of like, when we first got started, we were building, we always wanted to build what we call like a hero academy kind of thing. And, you know, we didn't really know how or what, uh, and we kind of the gaming, we did brand activations and a bunch of other stuff. Um, but along the way, like now, you know, we're actually helping these struggling teens, um, you know, identify the heroes in their life and use, um, not only traditional techniques, but also virtuality techniques that kind of help them, um, you know, face the cave they fear to enter. And so it's really cool stuff, uh, very meaningful work. And uh, yeah, it's really great. But now so we get to do it remote, which is which is really cool. So we have some team here, some teams in California and, and all these different spaces. And so, um, 
yeah. Your pivot is so different. <laughs> yeah, it's super, super different. And uh, yeah, we have, we have more things. We did, you know, I really took a look at the whole, when COVID hit, it kind of gave us like, it was kind of like a global break, right, for everybody. And so uh -huh. one of the things that I did is I took, I took a stop and I looked back, okay, okay. In terms of, in order for our company to get where we're at to where we want to go, what do I need to improve on for myself in order to get better at that. And so just looking at that, we kind of took the time to kind of do some growth activities and those things all kind of led us down a path that we then kind of, all the things we really wanted to work into kind of just naturally and failed and unfurled. So we're working on that and a couple of other really cool projects. Um, but uh, this is actually a podcast more about you. <laughs> I have so, so many can, questions. <sighs> We can, we can go back and forth. We can okay, trade wait, and go back and before forth. Before I forget, yeah. have you ever been to Firestorm Free Running Academy in Santa Ana? I have not technically been there, but I bought Matt a one-month membership for his birthday um, because it looks super-duper cool. Okay, um, it literally looks like a superhero training center. Like, you go <laughs> in there and people yeah. are like flipping off the walls and just like running like sideways and you're like how is that it's really cool and so when you is said it still active is it uh, post they move they move locations and then they had to like shut down because of covid and i feel like they've kind of been going they've kind of been going back and forth but i mean it's a good thing you're not in orange county because i think we're about to go back on lockdown really yeah i heard from like restaurant people that it's about to be outdoor dining only and like it's just wow. getting better <laughs> so wow when we when we came out to new orleans it was um they were completely locked down and then the uh, seven days before we got there they actually opened back up and so it went to um uh, being fully open and so it was cool because like we got here in this bourbon street and all these places and if you ever come man the one thing i'll tell you is char broiled oysters char broiled oysters i went like, there like last year or the year before i was gonna yeah. say there's an alcoholic milkshake that i'd love to tell you about but um, oh please let me know do you like oysters though have you have, yeah you yeah yeah actually i had really good char broiled oysters in like japan oh really interesting where were you at in japan it was like this random buffet and they had these like, and they were so good. I don't think I had oysters in New Orleans though. I feel like oh, our food game man. was lacking a little bit. Man, they're they like mind blowing. Like it was, just, I never understood how, like, it's one of those things like when you eat it, you're like, what, what, how could this be this good? There's some places, Felix's is one of the ones that's like, well, it's like, we've been tasting all these different oyster spots and we went to, um, a place called Felix's and we compared to another place called the Acne Oyster House but then it's like a local local said no you got to go this to this Mr. Ed's location and we just like we had these jalapeno charred broiled oysters and they're just like they, they blow my mind they blow my mind and so I just I didn't I never understood that something could taste this good um and so but but yeah so if you get a chance it's incredible Japan um I haven't been to Japan in like well over a decade, but it's one of my favorite places. And uh, where, what were you doing in Japan? My brother was teaching English there and he actually just got, my brother got married remotely. If you think remote work is a thing, you <sighs> can get, so she's like Wait. in Japan and he was here and they were on uh -huh. lockdown. They weren't letting Americans in because Americans are the worst. And then she like submit the paperwork for them. And so they like legally were able to get married and they're in separate countries. So, okay, so it was little remote marriage. Yeah. And then, and then, are, wait, and, and she was in Japan and he was in the US? Yeah, and it was just like paperwork that she had to like submit. And then it and wasn't like a- You're Japanese? Thing. No. Okay, my brother, just, okay, my brother just, uh, well, his wife, his now wife, she's Japanese. She's Japanese. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So I was, I was like looking at your last name, like that doesn't make sense. Okay. Yeah, right. no, but it's, Japan is so cool. That's like, the, it's like, such a cool Asian country. I have a whole theory on it. I had a, I had a very long conversations with, uh, for Matt's bachelor party uh, when we went out, we went camping and I have a theory about why I think Japanese people are like the superhuman version cultures wise uh, and they're so much better than everybody else. And uh, it, I think it comes down to the fact that 
I mean, if you look at it, yeah, everyone's got their problems, right? And Japanese people have their own problems as well. There's some, there's a lot of nationalistic things and they're very like sometimes a bit misogynistic in some way, shape and forms. Um, at least some of the feedback that I've gotten, but oh, yeah. tiny little island, tiny little island constantly being attacked by a large country for years and years, uh, China over and over and over again, right? Forcing to defend themselves from the outside so they got, they, they had to basically level up their skills as a culture. And because of that, if you, if you think about what is growth, growth is when you have pressure put upon you and you're forced to evolve again and again and again. And so them being such an old civilization and after millennia of them being attacked and assaulted, they've had to refine and hone themselves down to where like, look, we're on a small place. We need to be awesome. So what does it take for people to be awesome? We gotta, we gotta be super self-disciplined. We also have to be completely about the community. We have to be willing to like level ourselves up. We have to be solely dedicated. And if, I mean, if you look at it, like everything that they do, they do to the extreme, right? They're just extremists in every way, shapes and forms. There are some like self-identity repression issues, but overall, like they're, it's an incredible country that I, I'm very much looking forward to going back at some day. So, um, so yeah, that's okay. kind of my, my two steps I... fan. Okay, I counter your theory, and I think it's because they are very, very strongly dedicated to collectivism versus individualism, mm -hmm. um, which is actually why my brother doesn't like America, which I mean, that sometimes, sometimes I totally understand that. So like everything is so like they think about each other, which is the opposite <laughs> which is is 100 and, and it's one of those things it's like it's not it's like personality types what personality type is better than the other well they're not really better they're just mm -hmm. different as a culture they're better my personal opinion is they are better than us performing as a group unit right yeah as as americans we are an amazing creative radical do what we want cowboy seat of our pants we're gonna figure this out you know, home of, of innovation and just, you know, getting it out there. J Japan is the collective unit, but the, I agree with you on the collectivism. The question is, why are they a collective unit? Because if they were a bunch of feudal individual, like individual states, right? They never would have been able to withstand the attacks from without. They've had to band together and coagulate in collectivism because of the threat from without. That's what causes people to band together whether it's a storm coming in or a tsunami or a hurricane or like I'm in Katrina here and uh, or here in um, New Orleans and I felt this sadness vibe but then I also felt this camaraderie and I asked them why and they said look if you were here and you survived Katrina we're all family it's that kind of theory right but it's just done for millennia it's not just one big global event it happens again and again so the challenge with that is because they're so collectively strong they repress and they suppress the individual. And when they repress mm -hmm. and suppress the individual, you created neurotic outbursts, right? And you know, they have these kind of weird, weird quirkinesses where they kind of have like cuddle dens or love palaces or things like or this. Like where like suicide and stuff, yeah. yeah. It, 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 like, it like shoots out of them. Like it's like Tourette's for emotional expression, right? And so it just kind of shoots out of them, right? Where they just need a radical expression. Right. Versus like, we you know, we're already expressive, but we yeah. like collectivism. Right. We yeah. don't band together. You can't tell me to wear a mask. I'm going to oh. go march in the streets. Right. That that's the thing that's like it's a it's a right or wrong. And that's why I think it's like we're really trying to find this balance between, it, uh, you know, self-expression. Right. And our truth and then harmony amongst the group. And that's that's one of the things it's, it's this equilibrium that we're still as a society, as a country, as a world is still trying to figure out, so. It's very know. clear now. <laughs> so we'll see. Okay, so hopping on to things, speaking of individuals, um, you are an entrepreneur. Um, we so are you. Met, I am as well, I'm as well. And uh, the one of the things that you've been doing, you actually work in a very, I would say, unique and uh expressive product something that is uh, when you told me about it i was like wow that is a problem that i mean i don't as a as a guy i've never really thought about because it's just once it gets to that point it's not my issue and i don't think about it but when you told me about it or when i found out about it, i was like wow that's really cool and uh, but also i feel like there's got to be a lot of um it's such a sensitive topic too 
having the bravery to express that, to come out with that, to own that, to claim that and say, this is the flag I stand for is something I would, I'd be very curious to dive in on. So uh, I would love to learn uh, a little bit kind of about your background and how you got up to this product, right? And what it is, right? And kind of things, that, and then kind of how it's been going forward. So um, uh, Francis, please let me know, how did you, without revealing the products, how did you get up to where you are before you discovered the product idea? Okay, without revealing the product. Yes, and we'll, then we'll, we'll, we'll do the reveal. Okay, so I am married to a man and um, on birth control and we have sex like many married couples. And so the cleanup process, I, I hate it. I'm, I'm actually a lazy person, like deep down, even though I'm a founder and we work a lot. <laughs> like, you know how founders really like, like hacks and like figuring out how to do things quickly and efficiently. Yeah, right. Like it's a very, it's a very founder trait. And so every time I would have to clean up after sex, I would be like, this is like the worst thing. How is there no solution? So like any founder, I like Googled it and searched for answers on the internet and couldn't ever find anything. There was people talking on like Reddit or like in the depths of like Yahoo answers, which is not a credible location to look for anything ever in your life. Um, and People were like, oh, I just use like a sacrificial like sex rag or towel. And I'm like, well, that's not efficient because the issue is like internal, right? It's an internal issue mm -hmm. and I want to solve the issue at the source. So also being a founder, I've had many jobs. One of them was as a baker. Um, mm -hmm. And every time I would bake a cake and use a spatula, you know, like the rubber spatula that you use to get all the, yeah, the, the, the best one ever to get things out of the bowl. Right. So yeah. every time I would use a rubber spatula, I would be like, gosh, I wish I had one of these for my vagina. And that is where the, the seed started. But kind of like you were saying, it's such an unusual thought that I never told anyone. So for years, I kind of had this idea. It was in the back of my mind. I started other businesses, lifestyle businesses that were not related to sex or hygiene or anything whatsoever. Mm. Um, and then at a particularly low point in my career, when my co-founder had bailed on me, I don't know if mm. you know about this, um, mm -mm. I was in the cannabis industry and my, okay. my tech co-founder bailed, just we had different expectations on what that timeline would be for like raising and getting our MVP off the ground. So he mm. bailed, I was super bummed out. I was with a couple of friends, um, Jason and Sydney, you've met them yeah. at, at Spaces. And um, I was telling them like, you know, I have this one last really, really weird idea in me. And I told them what it was. And I am so grateful that they were the people that I told because they were so open and accepting and under, like they didn't try to challenge me. They didn't try to tell me why it wouldn't work. They didn't tell me there was something that already existed. They were supportive. And that's, I feel like so important and what you need, right? As a founder. 100%. And so telling them this idea, seeing their enthusiasm pushed me further to then apply for an accelerator. Getting into that accelerator gave me the confidence to continue moving forward. And what accelerator? It was Grid 110 in downtown Los okay. Angeles. Okay, yeah, mm -hmm. not, not fairly, but okay, that helpful. Yeah, so uh, their, their enthusiasm really pushed me to apply for that accelerator and then getting in was kind of like the confirmation that I needed thinking like, okay, someone else thinks this crazy idea might be worth pursuing. And so I kind of like needed those things to happen in yeah. order to move forward. Wow, okay. So again, there's, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's funny. Cause like everybody likes babies. Everyone loves babies, but the, the thought and talk about sex, like I like sex, even like I'm married and I have sex. Like there's this weird, um, speaking of histories and cultures, we have this kind of Puritan history of Americans where it's like, sex is bad, sex is wrong. You can't talk about sex. Shame, shame, guilt, shame, right? Even though we all like to do it, we, it breaks pleasure and joy, it's shared between loved ones, it's beautiful. It's something that is a difficult topic to own. So you had the crazy idea that, you know, then you got support from your friends. By the way, that's the best things. When you have friends that you can go, I have a crazy idea. And they're like, you go girl. Like that's the people that you can really count on life versus somebody that 
you know, they call here in Nolans crabs in a bucket that just try to pull you down because you're coming up with a with a crazy or amazing idea. But I think um, their intention is always positive, right? Like people say like, oh, like, I don't think that will work or like, oh, there's already this other solution. Like they don't, cool. they also don't want to see you fail. And so, I mean, I agree with you a hundred percent. At the same time, there's, there's two things from that. We know one being mind your advisors, you're getting feedback from people that haven't ever done these types of things, right. Versus somebody that successfully built products before, especially in a similar space who understand that path. And also they're projecting their, their own shame, fear, guilt, insecurities, um, fear of failure, fear of judgment onto you. And yes, ultimately they want to keep you safe. They want, to, they want to protect you. They want to make sure. But that's no way for anybody ever to grow and take chances. And so it's like it's coming from a good place. But it's almost like I heard I think I heard like Tony Robbins say this once. He goes, if you had an enemy and he put a little bit of sugar in your coffee, you know, what would you have? You would have like sweet coffee, right? If you had an enemy and you took a, just a or even if you had a friend and they just took a little bit of poison and put it in your coffee, what would you have? Coffee would kill you. So it's the same thing. Feedback and advice, those types of things coming from loved ones, it might come from the right place, but if it's going to poison that idea and cause it to die, man, it's, it's just as bad as it coming from anywhere else. So I'm, I'm super grateful that you had the friends that you have um, and they've encouraged you to do what you do. Um, with the product, um i guess let's let's talk about it so could you please describe to me what the product is and the problem that it solves so our company is called awkward essentials i guess to start um i'm the founder slash captain awkward we have pirate ship titles over here and the product is called Dripstick. So Dripstick is the invention that came out of my brain. And what it is, is a medical grade sponge, like super soft, um, absorbent, porous, spongy sponge tool. And there's a, um, like a stick, almost like a lollipop to help you with insertion. So because it's spongy, it absorbs like really quickly, unlike a tampon. So the way it works is that after you have sex, you take this, dripstick and then you put inside your vagina twirl it around take it out and then everything there's no excess fluids or dripping it doesn't prevent stds it doesn't prevent pregnancy it's strictly a hygiene tool fantastic so if i was to reiterate and reflect back to you it sounds like to me in my layman terminology of not knowing the medical grade science of it it, it it's a stick with a sponge on the end of it so a girl can insert it into her vagina, absorb all of the male fluids, mm -hmm. and then thus completely eliminate the dripping that happens post-sex and be able to clean up faster, easier, better than any of these other solutions that just have never been designed to solve that core quintessential issue of hygiene cleanup post-sex. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I've, I've known because you've given it to my fiance that it does work and she does approve of it and she has used it. And so um, I can, you know, I, I'm not my own personal testimonial, but just via osmosis uh, through her is, uh, is, is a thumbs up of approval. And it's just one of those, it's, one of those, it's, it's, it's like, I think really good jokes, really good comedians, really good movies. The, the best moments I always come together is, is when they, you have these two premises and at the very last moment, a joke or an idea comes together and it becomes so perfectly clear. You're like, I get it. I get it. It's so, I, it's, oh my God. That's the thing. When, when you said that, it's like, it was intuitively made sense to me. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that'll work. Like it was just, but I'm sure much like on my side of things, um, hearing it, it's not a, it sounds super, oh, you just take that, you put a stick on it, boom, you're, you're in business. I'm guessing it hasn't been a straight road for you from just concept to just evolution. Can you talk to me about some of the, what I would call threshold guardians, things you've struggled and done battled against along the way to kind of get to where you are? I think a big one is probably confidence. And I think a lot of female founders can relate to that one. Um, I think 
many founders and especially female founders like to have confirmation or like affirmation before moving forward. It's just mm. kind of how we're hardwired. Um, and so taking a risk on an invention that came out of my brain was definitely really scary. And so having those supportive friends or those moments that made me think, okay, this is doable or someone else, someone else agrees or supports this idea um, were so crucial in moving forward. Um, and then when I got to that accelerator in LA, I learned how to pitch the product and talk about the company. And the way I initially did it was not the right way, at least for us. So in initially pitching, I used like statistics about like women and sex and cleaning up. And it was, it was awful. I distinctly remember so many faces in the audience. They were just like completely horrified. And like, there was all this like nervous laughter and no one really understood what I was talking about. Everyone thought I was talking about like a wipe um, and it just didn't go well. And so over the course of that accelerator, I learned and trained myself to pitch it as a personal story. So it was never my intention to be like the face of the cum sponge or to talk about my sex life to the internet or the world, but I learned that talking about it as a personal problem really yeah. was the best way to offend the least number of people in the room. Um, we always offend certain people in the room, no matter what. Um, though I, it's, like, it's like your mom didn't use a condom when you were born, but whatever. Mm -hmm. So like, I, it just, it happens. Like you were saying, it's a very taboo topic and we're in a kind of a Puritan society that doesn't want to talk about sex, let alone like the messy, sticky aftermath. So we're almost, we're like beyond the sex industry because typically that industry that's kind of like shamed or taboo is like the pleasure industry, like vibrators and lube and stuff like that. And we're like past that. So I don't even know what field we're in, but we're like elsewhere. Yeah, it's, it's really funny because if you look at, I mean, one of the things you, you just nailed the point, stories, stories, personal stories is the way to communicate information. If I was like, oh my God, I was running through the jungle the other day. And then a bear would, when you hear a personal story, uh, a, a lesson and insight that comes from your perspective, people can relate to that. A lot of times the statistics and the facts and the standards and all those types of things, they're merely defense mechanisms to protect you from overly identifying with the thing that you have guilt or sharing or fear around, you know, getting projected on with, right? So you're trying to disassociate yourself from your product when you have to do literally what I would call the cave you fear to enter, flip that and embrace and go, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. I use it for me because it's awesome. What are you going to say about that? And when someone owns it like that, you know, kind of like a, not necessarily the same thing, but kind of like the Charlie Sheen, like he's a dirtbag. And we all know that, but he owns it. And you're like, well, I can't really tell anything because he already knows it, right? But it's one of those things that you're, you own it and appreciate it. And, and, and if people are going to disagree with you because it's the internet, you could be Mother Teresa and someone's going to be making fun of you on a YouTube comment. There's no, there's no getting around it. There's the being an entrepreneur, especially being the face of a business, especially in a taboo subject like that, you're going to get heat, right? And that's just... You know, you're, you're just learning to own it. And then if you make it a personal story, you kind of go to the source. So I think that's really a really powerful lesson uh, that I think entrepreneurs can learn from is how do you how do you take the thing you fear more, most, turn it into a personal story and, and turn it from a thing of shame and guilt to into a form of power, which is really, really cool. Um, along this way that you, you've gone through this, um, have you had mentors that guided you, that gave you some words of wisdom that kind of helped armor you up to, to do battle in this online field of uh, puritism? Yeah, my dad, which people ask me all the time. <laughs> They're like, oh, Questions. what yes. does your dad think about your product? And I'm like, I don't know if that's racist or sexist or what it is, but mm -hmm. he's extremely supportive. And so, um, he himself is also a founder slash entrepreneur. And so it's kind of, I guess, in our <laughs> genetics or like blood. And so he did something in the software industry um, years mm. ago and has always been a supporter of just the different ideas that I've had. But I remember along 
the way every time I would come up with something, he would really drive home like, okay, cool. But like, you can plan and talk about it forever. When are you actually going to do it? Like he very much has pushed me to take action, even mm. ordering that first minimum order quantity of 20,000 units. He was kind of like, just, just order it. Like, how are you going to know? Like, what are you going to do? Like keep planning forever for the rest of your life. It's a very lemony snicket. Like if you keep planning, if you're, if you wait until you're ready, you'll be waiting for the rest of your life, I think mm-hmm. is what the quote is. And so um, he's been probably one of my biggest supporters and just help and someone I can lean on. And it's, he's not a female and doesn't have a vagina and doesn't quite understand the space entirely, but it's been a really interesting and cool thing to connect with him about because now some of the challenges I'm going through, they're challenges that he went through and now it finally makes sense for him to tell me about them. Yeah, it's so so awesome and so powerful that because you have this there's always when you've got to make that jump right uh in terms of entrepreneurship and you got to you got to cross that threshold from the from the known safety net of culture and society into this unknown area where it's it's going to be a risk it's dangerous it's scary it's terrifying for me when i opened up my food truck and i went from 90 days of seeing the food truck on the tv show to actually owning a food truck and being out the door driving i had to go and purchase a very expensive food truck without any knowledge on how to drive the food truck make food or any of those other types of things and i was just like oh, what do i do and then you just do it and you got to figure it out but that moment because you there was like no going back doing an order for twenty thousand units out the gate to be like to be like is my is <laughs> is my bedroom gonna be filled with thousands and thousands of users of these of these medical grade items that no one's gonna want and then I'm just gonna basically have a lifetime supply of these things for myself. I like know. like what was that? Could you talk me to like the feeling that was when you made the order and like what it felt like for you to do that? So every time I would pitch the product, I would say sponge and handle and insertion and after sex. And because it's not the way in which people are used to doing things, people just Mm. assume that it's a wipe. Like there was even members of my cohort at grid 110, the entire time they were like, I thought you were talking about a wipe. And so I'm like, okay, the only way I feel like I'm going to get people to understand what it is, is for them to like, see it, like touch it, feel it. Because I had a hunch that a lot of women related to this issue, but they would have to see the solution first. Cause it's a very simple solution. And so, um, it was kind of a gamble that I just had to take. And, um, it was, it seems like it's paid off because those first 20,000 units, um, when they came in, I remember I went with my dad to pick them up and we had his truck and the boxes didn't all fit in the car. So we were like opening the boxes, putting them in garbage bags, and then like sticking the garbage bags in every single spare corner of space in the back of the truck so that we could get them back to his house. And I think like any good Bay Area founder, um, did it out of my parents' house (laughs) and shipping and fulfilling was out of my parents' house. So what happened after those 20,000 units is I just went out and I talked to as many people as possible. I brought the product. I talked to them. I gave them samples. I'm like, hey, you know, will you try this? What do you think? Um, And started getting feedback that way. But for me, the ultimate validation would be if someone paid money for it. Because I think Um, from a market research standpoint, you can ask people if they're going to use something. And most of the time people say yes, but will they pay money for it? And that's really what I wanted to know. So hack together a really, really quick and dirty Shopify website, 10 for $10 shipping to the U S only threw it online, um, posted in a few Facebook groups, like, Hey, what do you guys think? Can I get some feedback? And then went to bed. Um, and I think Tanya knows the story, but Mm. the next day when I woke up, I had like all these notifications on my phone and a ton of orders. I was like, what is happening? And so overnight, a woman from the Huffington Post UK had DM'd me and said, hey, can I write an article about this? I was asleep because they're on UK time. And so at 5 a.m., she said, hey, I wrote the article. Here it is. Sent me a link. And when I woke up, like not at 5 a.m. There was already several other articles, including hers. And I had all these emails and all these orders. And I was like, what? Like, I remember that day so clearly. And I have a terrible memory. Um, Just like being in bed with my husband. And I'm like, what do I do? Like, 
what is happening? What do I do? I like ran to my computer. I see all of these emails. I see these other journalists who are emailing me, asking me questions. And then I see these orders and every like two seconds, my phone is dinging because there's more orders coming in just because Huffington Post is such a large platform. And it was like, the news was like spreading. So everyone was taking that article and like posting it on their on their website. So I like went to my parents' house, called my friends. Those same friends who believed in me were the ones who helped me like pack and tape those boxes and just started shipping out orders and had to figure it out right then and there on the fly. It was a very, very like founder entrepreneur Bay Area type moment, um, shipping out of my parents' house and paying my friends in pizza. Um, but it was good. It showed me that other people related to the problem other people had the problem because they're willing to buy the product and so the second piece of validation that i knew i would need is if they started reordering mm -hmm. so one one of the videos that i saw that i thought was you know the, the whole thing is a, a can you communicate the idea and how simple the terms because you can rant about it for an hour and the benefits and the, all those other things but it, dead simple concepts that are also somewhat humorous tend to transfer information really well. I saw a video with a Twinkie and I don't know how or where that falls into the timeline if you could describe that. So before we went viral, I had questions from a lot of people, like, how do I use it? How long do I leave it in? I don't understand. And so I was like, okay, how can I demonstrate how to use this product? without buying an anatomically plastic vagina, which I did look them up on Amazon and they're not hard, they're not easy to find and they're kind of expensive and kind of boring, right? And so having worked in the food industry and just my sugar addiction, Twinkie came to mind during a brainstorming session, like it's cream filled, it's long, it's a cavern. And so just shot this Twinkie video on an iPhone in, my little apartment kitchen and that was what was on our website and that was one of the things that kind of drove people to have taken interest in the product or think it was funny enough to check out was this Twinkie video of us sticking the sponge in the Twinkie removing the cream and um, that was our explainer video <laughs> yeah, yeah I remember it was something like this right it was like it was like got it Got yeah, it. Like it was just, that's, but that's all it is. Getting the point across as dead simple as possible is is one of the hardest things ever. So I thought that was um, super duper incredible. Um, I don't we have know an upgraded ever... version now on our oh, website. You... Oh really? <laughs> Hostess? No. Um, that's really that's really awesome. But again, that's that's incredible. So now. Um, Okay, so let me talk about where are you at right now? Like, what has happened? What's that with the company? Where are you, where, 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 where is the company currently standing? So that was about, that was over a year ago. And at that time uh -huh. we were come and gone. Um, that was the name of the company and the product. And so after we saw that jump in orders and I started saying reorders and I felt like we kind of had a business, I fundraised. So we closed our seed round early in 2020 this year and we rebranded to the parent company. The parent company has always been Awkward Essentials. We just never, it wasn't like a public facing name because yeah. I knew that I wanted to do other awkward products. So we rebranded to Awkward Essentials and we renamed the sponge a drip stick because we mm -hmm. thought it was more fitting and easier to like say and remember and Google and it's more of a noun. And we've been live for about a month. And so we're ready to got going and take over the world with this new concept and <laughs> normalize after sex cleanup. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. And it's, it's amazing. One that you're able to close a uh, seed round during this whole 2020 year. It was um, like right before the shutdown. Oh man. You're like, got it. Gotta go. Bye. Like, Please sign this. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So then what's your like, Right now, in terms of that, what's like the big dragon you've got to face right now? What's the big monster that you have to slay? What's what's the thing that you don't know if you can actually be? So we just have to get the word out. And it's so much easier said than done. Um, marketing is my background, but it's it's hard. And we face challenges being in 
this taboo, this like ta with the taboo nature of the product itself. Um, and even 2020 itself has, I mean, as you probably can relate, has proven to be quite um, an interesting year with very interesting obstacles that need to be overcome everything from everything from the election to COVID. I mean, with the election, so many CPG companies were down just because everyone was so focused and stressed out about the election. So there's always something, um, but it's always really fun. I have a food truck story for you, actually, that I think you guys will really like. Okay. Uh, okay. Go on. Let's see what you what I'm very curious about the food truck story. Um, so we couldn't do a launch event because of COVID. Mm -hmm. um, so we can't do in-person events. So we wanted to sample. So we rented a food truck, um, got it covered in eggplants. And it says like clean up an ILV and cream filled. We got you covered. And um, it's a very, very dramatic telenovela um, that ends in the food truck potentially happening in a couple weeks, but we'll see. It's kind of okay. a surprise. So everyone oh. will have to stay tuned and follow our social channels to find out if it actually happens. Yeah, and, and um, normally I say this for the end, but let's just do this right now. What's your social channels? So we're at Awkward Essentials on every platform, um, Facebook, website, Instagram. Okay, beautiful. Yeah, I mean, with the food truck, the when I got started a lifetime ago in it, um, what's a really powerful tool is that I consider it to be kind of like a, a floating banner. So you yeah. can go around all these places. And if you're a good, if you're a good food business, I'm sure you can do other businesses with it, but you go around and people hear about you and the word spreads because you just go where the people are, which is, which is a fantastic thing. Also, when I was at it and I was terrible at it, you could go and ruin parties with terrible food until you figured out your game and eventually get better. But you build up enough brand name going around that people hear about you and then they all search your social media and go to it. So in terms of a marketing, branding, physical boots in the ground thing, it's a very, it's a very powerful mechanism if you have something compelling enough to get people's attention. Um, I, I, I do think you do. So that's really cool. And I'd love to, I'd love to hear about it um, when the time's right and all that stuff. So that's, that's really incredible. Yeah, there's, a lot of these tactics sounds like you can't do, especially with the whole social distancing, 2020 distance kind of stuff, is that you have to think of new creative ways to to do marketing to kind of get the word out because of the challenge, because also it's such a high high bandwidth, like on a high bandwidth, there's a lot of traffic online, a lot of competition for ad space and marketing mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, besides that, is there any other ideas you've had around trying to market this product and get the word out? Is there... Have you, have you thought about like, you know, offending people and having having the peers and groups, you know, scream that you should stop and stuff like that? Or uh, what's your any other thoughts you had in the marketing concepts? We do have a wall of hate in our office. Um, <laughs> it's a corkboard filled with all the mean comments we've gotten. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you guys ever swing by, you can see the array of just different uh, feedback and ideas and um, gotten dick pics. Please don't let this give anyone ideas who's listening to this podcast. Um, but we have a wall of hate. Um, and yeah, we like to do things. We like to keep it weird. So we do the normal stuff. We do like paid social and PR and all kinds of stuff, but really, really excited to just do more experiential things. Um, we have mm -hmm. a private Facebook group called Octalk and we actually sourced one-liners for holiday cards, like cards for your ho friends. And so we're going to be selling those in December. It, it does seem like a great, like, you know, um, uh, what do we call those things when a girl gets and then has a baby baby showers you're like hey you know stop the next one kind of thing because it, it would fit nicely in a card i could i could see that as a really it's a really nice item um to, to pass along that's i one i love the fact that you embrace that and you're embracing the awkwardness of it because a lot of people you look at you think of awkward you think of guilt you think of shame you think of things that people run away from but you're kind of going towards that things i've always noticed a lot of uh creativeness with you you had one, one of my favorite weddings of all times, like the way that you had everything together and you had from like, I was like, ah, I was very resistant going to weddings because it's kind of like the droning, the yeah. ritualistic, the mechanistic kind of 
say this, do this, kneel, sit, stand, pray, do those things. But you had like two food trucks. You had the out food truck and they don't serve fries. Then you had a poutine fry truck. Because you need fries with hamburgers. (laughs) It was incredible. But then you had a talent show where all your friends are just like, I don't even know what I'm doing on stage, but I'm, it was, it was like, it was like 25% talent, 50% funny. And then like another 25% trying to embarrass other people. It was just a really interesting array of like, of just, you could tell that it was, everybody was there having a great time. Um, I think you had a BDSM um, photo booth as well, some sort of like thing like that. And so how, just side note tangent, how'd you come up with that? Where did that come from? How did, how did you get so creative with your with your wedding? What was what was the the concept behind that? So I worked in the wedding industry prior to this. I was a wedding photographer, and so if you think you've been to your fair share of weddings that are exactly the same, I cannot count how many that I've been to. And so every time, ch- it's it's the same founder thing, right? Like I would go to weddings, I would see what I would do, want to do better or different, especially for my own wedding. And so. I just noticed that a lot of the times, a lot of brides are doing things because they want the photos. There is this like set way that I think, especially the internet has like set us up to like want things like Pinterest or like fairy tale things. And so I would go to weddings and be like, oh my gosh, like I feel like I'm just yelling at this bride the whole time so she can get these photos. Is she even present? Can she even talk to her friends and family? Is she even enjoying her wedding? Which is like going by in like a split second and you're spending so much money on it. And so I told myself, okay, when I get married, I'm going to split up the family and friends part because a lot of the times you're doing it for family right especially yeah. like like if you have older family or your parents like they like it to be a little bit more traditional and so we we split it up because I also noticed that at the reception typically the older guests or family will kind of like finish their dinner and then they'll either leave or they'll kind of like be sitting there and then there's like dancing and so some people are dancing and then other people are like sitting there and it's just kind of a weird dynamic so I'm like okay we're gonna split them up so we had a ceremony at the planetarium um during the day and then we had a lunch at Texas Day Brazil at Brazilian barbecue for just family just to kind of do like a nice like something nice without alcohol and then at night was what you guys came to which we were like okay well a wedding is you could do whatever you want like there's no rules and for some reason people think there's rules but there's not like you get the license you sign the papers cool whatever so we're like let's just literally bring in the stuff we want. So Ryan was like, okay, I want Super Smash Brothers. So we set up Super Smash Brothers. And I was like, I want to have a DDR machine. So we like, we like rented a DDR machine. And I was like, okay, I don't think these people want to sit through a ceremony. What could we do instead? And everyone, not everyone, some of our friends are very talented. So we were like, (laughs) let's have a talent show. And so we like literally just pulled the different things together. Like, I like this, I like that. Let's just do this for the wedding. And that's how it came about. And so I knew about this location thanks to one of my first businesses, which was a pop-up date night business. And I had hosted um, an event here at that. It's a boudoir photo studio. And so Mm. it was a perfect blank slate because it was this massive warehouse. They had these beautiful rooms but then they had an empty area that was like great for dancing there's a stage um there was yes a bdsm red room but it's not like we built it out it was already there because it was a boudoir warehouse so Um, we're like oh well the photo booth should go in there obviously um so it's just kind of a mishmash of things i mean i can't say that my photos are a perfectly you know, like blush pink coordinated like color scheme, but that's not really what was important to me. It was important for me to like spend time with the people who are attending and like talk to them. I remember talking to you and Tanya, this was right before you guys went on that reality show. Oh, when we went to um, Patagonia. Yeah. 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 And I remember like you telling me that and I was just like, what? Like you guys are going camping for a reality TV show. Like what is happening? But like- It's all in German. I, but I love that we got to have that conversation because yeah. at so many weddings, you don't get to talk to people. And I'm like, that's why we're inviting them. We want to talk to them. It was, it was one of those ones that 
I had expectations because I've been to it and I know, I understand that there's, well, I understand my belief patterns around there's a certain way to do it. And I don't like it because it really, it feels that's not you, right? That's like, that's you. It's like graduation. You're not graduating for you. You're graduating for your parents, right? To show them, Hey, I'm a responsible kid. And right. look, I did this. And it's, and again, they're so proud and that type of stuff. And so I was went in and it's like, look, it, you're going to spend most of your time with the family. You're going to go around, you're going to shake some hands, kiss some babies, and you're going to be off and you do the dance. And then I went in and I was like, you know, being from the game background, everything, I was like, I was like, games, food truck, food, alcohol, like awkward competitions where everyone's having a great time. I was like, yes, I'm saying yes to everything. To me, it was like all these, like, it was like, it was like the joy of like, what is it that we love to do? Like, so the personalities came out through the, 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 the joys came out, the, the celebrations went out. I, I woke up with a half a donut in my pocket and I was <laughs> like, I was like, Tanya, how did this get here? I have no idea how this got here. And she's like, you don't remember. I was like, I do not. I, and so it was one of those, it was one of those epic, like it was an, it was an, it was like, that was a great wedding. And so, but it was one of those ones that I love the idea because you separate because you're, you're totally right. Because you, we all have different identities. You have, you have the, the wife, you have, you are a wife, you are an entrepreneur, you are a friend, you're also a daughter. So there's, there's all these yous. And I love the idea of you breaking up those identities. I'm going to fully embrace one role, one role, and I'm going to take that away and I'm going to go embrace another role and be able to do that, which is being able to do those identity shifts is a, it's really powerful versus trying to be something to everybody then pleasing nobody at the same time. Your parents aren't happy, your friends aren't happy and all that stuff. So that's 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 really powerful as a just overall life lesson. Um, let me ask you a question in terms of like throughout the day, it seems like you do um, you, you have a wall of hate that you've embraced. And there's other things. What do you do to really arm yourself up from like all these kinds of like criticisms and things that you're going to go against? I know part of it you said was you have friends that have encouraged you and you have your father figure that uh, your father that has encouraged you on this path. But like, it, like when you get hit and you get knocked down, it's like, how do you arm yourself up against like the toils of life and just being an entrepreneur and being on the grind? Because it's not all um, uh, sunshine and rainbows. So what, what, like, what do you, how do you, how do you like, you know, protect yourself against those, those, that kind of negative impacts that hit you? I think having a partner that's supportive um, is something that I don't know if a lot of people talk about, but it's so important. And I think you know that too, um, oh, yeah. just having someone who understands and is willing to be there and listen, even if they don't 100% understand everything that's happening. Um, and it, it hurts. I mean, it always hurts, right? Like I think the internet amplifies negativity in a way that is can can be bad. And so I think that's why it's also important to talk about these things and talk about these stories and just prepare people, especially first time founders who maybe have, don't expect to receive that kind of backlash. Um, but I think because my background is marketing, I know that for every time there is something negative happening, that amplification is marketing for us. So we had we went viral on Twitter last December and 95% of the comments were really mean. Like, you know how you should never read the comments on the internet, especially if it's about your own company on Twitter, my God. And so they were really mean, but our sales shot up. So just, yes, on the outside, 95% super mean, but the number of people who saw what was happening and saw our website and saw our product was obviously a lot more due to this happening and so just knowing that it's it's gonna happen and anytime you come out with something new or you have a new company or invention it's gonna be met with resistance because it's not what people are used to people don't like change and so our goal is to change the way people do this thing and it's kind of inevitable and so at this point having a social media manager who's helping and responding to our comments is is very very helpful because then i'm not the one who's personally sending back gifts <laughs> to the people who are commenting on all of our ads oh that's so amazing one okay so you just touched on a incredibly powerful lesson and something i just want to i just want to like communicate back if you ever want to be huge especially in this post-COVID world, you've got to master the game of online presence, online social media, online advertisement. 
And there is no way to present your, there's no way to be a successful company without receiving X amount of hate, right? There's, there's just, it's just no, whether any, anything, they're gonna, they're gonna hate all over it. And so you, you basically, you get, you, you get options. Your option is A, you can play small and keep things perfect and have nobody online ever criticize anything that you do or say or feel or any of those things. But then you're really, really small. You have one follower, it's your mom and she gives you thumbs up on everything you do, right? Or B, you can go completely the, the polar extreme and put all of that stuff out there and then just embrace. And if you can embrace all the negativity and all the toils and all those things, there's gonna be a certain amount of negativity, but with that negativity will spread the message. And then people along, the, th along the, the path will see that and go, wow, that's an amazing product. Yes, I do see there's dick pics and all those other things that come along with that. By the way, as a guy, thankfully I don't ever get. So that's not my issues online. So um, I, I, I'm sorry for men that do that. Sometimes we're gross. And so I'll just like to apologize for all men on that one. Thank you. you. Know, <laughs> I'm just, Hey, so but when you say that, I was like, oh, that's just, just, just one of those, much like the trip stick part of it. That's not my issue. I feel we have my own issues. So you have the, the hair issue, but for you, you on the other side, you have other issues. And so you, I'm sorry. Um, but the, what's, what's really cool is that you've embraced, I don't know if you really put that on the wall, but you've taken other comments and put that up there and you've embraced the hate and you've got, you can hate me all you want. And I'm going to go take that hate all the way to the bank. And that is a lesson for entrepreneurs that if they can embrace the hate and realize that the hate, the more hate that they get, the bigger their paycheck gets. Not, you know, in, in the fact that it's just an awareness issue. Um, it's a really powerful lesson. So I, I, I just want to take a moment for that because so many people are so scared. They live lives of quiet desperation and then they go to the grave, you know, with a song inside them. You know, that's not me, that's the row. And so that is uh, one of those things that I think most young entrepreneurs who are afraid to take that call um on that message and on that note if there is a young female founder who maybe has an awkward idea to get out there that you know thinks it might be crazy and might be judged for this you know what message would you give her what insights would you share with her uh to get her to take that brave step forward I think it's important to surround yourself with people who will support you um, regardless of how crazy your idea sounds. And I think it's harder to find those people than you think because um, a lot of people don't want to go against the grain, but finding that support system is incredibly important. And I also think that seeking out advice is valuable, but taking action is more valuable. Um, I can't tell you how much time that I wasted in my life looking for advice, trying to get feedback, trying to get validation when really I should have just been building the thing because the only way you will actually know if it works is if you have the thing, like build the thing and then figure out if it's right. Mm -hmm. I mean, like there's so many people out there you can always find someone who will say it's not going to work and that's that's not what you need you need to find the people who who know it will work who want it yeah yeah it's so powerful yeah build the thing see if people will pay money for the thing and then surround yourself with people who will support you on the mission to actually create deliver and do the thing and get paid in pizza that pretty yeah. much is the <laughs> The, if you can the, pay them in pizza, that's incredible. <laughs> that's incredible, right? <laughs> but it's, it's it's such a thing. It's funny because I um I don't I don't know your personality type specifically, but you have a lot of similarities in kind of my philosophies of the way that I've been able to make it. Whether it's the food truck game or virtuality business or those things, is I surround myself with these strong characters of, of of friends that are also talented people who are not only talented, but they're willing to, to believe in you. They maybe necessarily don't believe in your product as much as they believe in you. And they go, you know what? Maybe not this, but you're going to figure it out. So I'm going to support you in your cause. And so to me, that's why I have an insulated group of friends, a small group of friends that like, like I can do anything because with these people, mm -hmm. they, they will support me along my path. And that's why, you know, I work 
you know, with my best friend and I work with my fiance and I, when I surround myself with these people, because it is that insulated that I uh, forget it. What, what did Steve Jobs call it? Um, field of reality distortion. And I think if you get around those people, they strengthen that reality distortion field where you can move through it together. And there's, there's this weird balance that, um, entrepreneurs need to have where they need to have this distortion field where they're like, I can change reality enough, but they need to listen to customer feedback enough to make a better product. And, but you've got to be able to balance those two things out. Will someone pay for it is a feedback mechanism, but can I surround myself with friends is that's a, it's a, it's a, it's all a delicate balance, but it seems like you you're really dialed in with like a supportive father figure and husband and friends and all that stuff. So I think it's, I really commend you on being able to navigate those waters and especially as a, a female founder in such a awkward industry. Yeah, it's hard to find other female founders, but that's why I'm so grateful that you introduced me to Tanya too. She's been, she's, she's, she's been so supportive. I mean, <laughs> the entire, she has been with us the entire time. Um, I think you knew that my friends threw me a bridal hackathon before I got married and Very Tanya was there. And entrepreneur of you. Yeah, she, she, she loved it, man. She was just like, oh my God. It was the most amazing bridal hackathon I've ever been to. And then Jason came in. He was such a leader. And he's like, okay, we're going to be doing this for Francis. And it's like whiteboard. <laughs> we're going to we're go over here and this and this. And then, and then we're, we're going to go take over the world. You know, it was so, it was so incredible. She came back so jazzed and so energetic and so on fire because, you know, again, it's like with your friends, you always want to find out like, how can I add value to my friend's life in a way that makes sense? And she was a beast in her own right. She's built up her own CPA practice and business and from the ground up and then sold it and jumped on my business. So like the skill set that she has, the things that I can't do at all, like, again, much like you, you, you've got a very unique skill set. It's not her skill set. And so when she came in, I was just like, like, I was like, instantly, I was like, Francis is cool in my book. If you have a bridal hackathon to increase the entrepreneurship, like I'm surrounded by entrepreneur friends that are all trying to make like dreams a reality and whether the tech space or in these other spaces. So I heard that I was like, okay, like that's, that's cool. That's, that's cool. You that, know like, what? That's your world. But you know what was cool is that I would say like 75% of the people who were there mm -hmm. were not entrepreneurs. And so for them, it was like their taste of what it was like. It was almost mm. like getting to share a piece of my life and even like Tanya's life, right? Like with people who have never had it. And so I remember like the next day, like people were DMing me and they were just like so hyped and the energy was so high because it was just something they had never done before. Because a lot of them, like one of my friends who he's like a lawyer. And so he was there and he was like doing the marketing stuff. And I was like, you're really good at this. Like, this is very creative for someone who's a lawyer. And he's like, this is just so amazing. And so I think like, I don't know, I think a majority of us, there's like an entrepreneur in them, but it's, are you going to push past that, that fear or are you like comfortable with where you're at? Are you happy with a full-time job, which is totally fine too. Yeah. It's who do you want to be? Right. And it's okay if that's what you want to be. Some people just, that's, they're happy with that. They're content with that. But then there's also those creative spirits that just go, you know, like, because it's like, are you choosing to not be an entrepreneur because you you feel you just you, you just don't want it? Or is it because you're afraid to take that step into the unknown and cross that chasm and go into a place that is scary and difficult and you don't feel worthy, you don't feel just, or you don't want to cause waves, or you don't want shame or guilt, and you just can't embrace the pain? Because we know as entrepreneurs, there's a lot of pain, a lot of pain, a lot of struggles, a lot of strides. And unless you really are doing this for the love of this, like you're not gonna, you're not gonna do it. Like for me, I love. That I do with the people I do it. So I put in a ton of work, but I don't care. I love it. It's okay. Like it's, that is, I'm not like, Oh, it's the grind, but that's what I felt like when I had a job, it was just mm -hmm. like, it was like eating me from the inside out. And so, you know, I really, you know, I, I'm hoping that, you know, some people, young entrepreneurs, young adventurers will actually watch this, get inspired and be like, you know what? I am a lawyer and I do want to open my own business and this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to take these steps and I, I got this. And that's what they need. They just need that. They need, they need the more they can insulate themselves with positive reinforcements of pursuing their own visions and dreams that they are worthy is the things that I think help propel people to take those brave steps forward. And, you know, just, you, you feel like if you mess up in life, you're going to die, right? Oh, my, uh, my husband leaves me. I'm going to die. My business is going to fail. I'm going to die. Uh, my my mom rejects me. I'm gonna die. Someone's gonna insult me. I'm, it always goes down, and then I die. And you're not. You're not gonna die. It's okay if you fail. As an entrepreneur, as you, you've you've rattled off several businesses. You've failed and 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 done, or as we call learning lessons business. Same thing with me. 
I had a t-shirt company that failed. I had a ton of other products that, that just, but they're all tool belts along the path that now I've got a giant, you know, Batman style tool belt of abilities that I can step in and go, oh, I, I know how to do that because in 2006, I had a, yeah. I had a t-shirt business. So I know how to do Photoshop, you know, that kind of stuff. So I yeah. think it's really cool that you, that you've, um, you, you, you lay the groundwork for this. Um, you know, uh, my final question for you, this is because we're um, getting towards the end here is one, is there any last messages you have to say before I have you basically disclose how people get a hold of you and find out more about your products? Um, I mean, I think just take action, just like do the thing. I, so many projects I sat on and planned and just tried to like get them to be perfect. And mm -hmm. I just wish I had started sooner. Um, it'll be ugly. It's always going to be ugly. I can't tell you how ugly my first website was like for everything I've ever done. It will be ugly. I know. And I get it. And I know it's really scary, but it's the only way. Yeah, got to get that ugly baby out. The only way to get mm -hmm. it pretty, right? 100%. All right, Francis, so uh, you said it before, but please say it again. How do people find you, get a hold of you, DM you pics and such? Like, uh, what are, <laughs> how, do they, how do they find you and your, and your product? So we're at awkwardessentials.com or you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Awkward Essentials. Um, we have a private Facebook group called Octalk. It gets pretty wild in there, but it's really fun. Um, we're on Twitter at Awk Essentials. And um, if you DM our chat bot, sometimes it's me. So we can chat. Uh, beautiful. Thank you, Francis. I really appreciate your time. Have a beautiful and glorious day. And I wish you the best in your product and changing the world in, in the awkward space. Thanks, Dylan. Yeah. Take care now. I'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.